Welcome to Wallowing in the Shallows, the podcast that skirts the perilous drop-off of a deep dive into television and movies. We are academic nerds aspiring to become TV and movie geeks. There are no spoiler guards in the shallows, so listen at your own risk. This week, join us for a wallow in Good Omens Season 2. Hey, hello, peeps. Welcome back to Wallowing in the Shallows. This is Tori. And this is Rebecca, and we are talking about Good Omens, Season 2, Episode 5, Chapter 5, The Ball, the penultimate episode here. Oh, I'm so glad there's not a mini-sode. I, for some reason, that didn't work for me very well. <laughs> it's like, it's just part of the episode. Yes, Whatever. me too. I felt like this was a good return back to, we got our focus back mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. I like it a lot better than episode four. Yes, 100%. I've got a synopsis here from right. IMDb. Lay it on me. Aziraphale tries to bring Maggie and Nina together by organizing a meeting of the Wickbers Street Shopkeepers and Street Traders Association. In hell, Shax is determined to launch a full-scale attack on the bookshop with a legion of demons at her command. Nina's heart is broken, as is a bookshop window. (laughs) Gabriel has a close encounter with Mrs. Sandwich and a small plate of cakes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Cheeky cheeky. I was so happy to see Mrs. Sandwich. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. Me too. Suspicions confirmed. Yes, absolutely. We'll talk about it when we get there. We will, we will, we will. I enjoyed the negotiation, I guess, that was going on between Shax and Furfur about the number of demons. That amused me. And it made me wonder if this was a bit of a payback on his part. For... It felt like it, didn't it? It, it really did. did feel like it. This really backf- backfired on Shax, who had yes. wanted to have someone in her debt, and now he's having none of it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. And I, it made me kind of think again that there was she had some other kind of motive. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wanted to guarantee her promotion to that by taking him out of the competition. Maybe you're right about that because she has moved up in the world. Mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's now in the world. 100%. I really dig her short hair. Yes. With that I... severe chop, those bangs with yeah. that kind of diagonal cut. Yes, yes. It's really working for her. Yes. And that walk that she's doing, it's just so, it's so good. <laughs> you know, she's I... amazing. Yeah, Miranda Richardson is really knocking it out of the park. Really is. I'm forgiving everything about the fact that they just obliterated the memory of Tracy and just mm-hmm. decided to start fresh with a new character for her this season. There's I'm accepting no it. No mannerisms of Madam Tracy in here at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Which, is, which is great. And I liked how she was super gleeful. About the plan and being able to go up and take on uh, or unleash the demons on the bookstore and Crowley. Mm-hmm. And, but she's trying not to like show it. <laughs> she's trying to try. But it's just kind of like seeping through because she's too excited. 
it's not the childlike exuberance of Crowley and Aziraphale, but it's really anticipatory glee. 100% and devilishly, devilishly so. Yes, yes. So it was a good start. Agreed. Um, then we come to Earth mm-hmm. and Aziraphale's made a list and is checking it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Of his Wicker Street traders and his shopkeepers. Yes. And he wants Mr. Arnold to bring his harpsichord. I did wonder in that scene if this was a lot of fan service. Because I watched that scene three or four times, paused it a lot, because I was trying to find out if there was anything around the shopkeeper that clued Aziraphale in to that he was a Whovian? Great question. Uh, I mean, I even went so far as to do research into suspenders from Doctor Who, because I know several of the doctors wear them. I could not find any suspenders that looked like what Mr. Arnold was wearing. So that's why I'm like, well, this is just some fan service calling out Doctor Who. And it's not the only fan service in this episode about Doctor Who. Oh, I look forward to hearing about more. I'm not sure I knew about any other Doctor Who bits. Obviously, this one was directly calling it out (laughs) by name. Yes. But so just to close this loop, you did not see anything in the shop that led you to believe Mr. Arnold was Whovian. <laughs> I saw nothing and I really looked. Okay. So I, I didn't necessarily appreciate it. Like maybe they wanted me to as somebody who also likes Doctor Who a lot. I feel like I liked the doctor reference to Crowley with the surgeon much better than this. Yes. Well, that was, was more subtle. Very much more subtle, but I felt like it did the job. And this, they really went on about this annual. What what even is an annual? I think of annuals as like yearbooks in high mm-hmm. school, but I don't, I didn't understand it with relation to Doctor Who. Well, I've never seen any of them because even though I'm a fan of things, I don't normally buy stuff about the shows except maybe like a t-shirt or something. But I think the annuals are maybe about, they're like recaps of the season. And then there's like, I think some behind the scenes kind of information in them. That's my understanding of what the the annual is. Okay. Okay. That's fair. So, and they really do have them. I mean, they published them for the old series and then they published them when they started uh, the reboot. Okay. As far as I know, Arnold's is the only store with an apostrophe. Mr. Arnold said he didn't want to hear about apostrophes or Christmas lights. And so (laughs) I wondered if he'd gotten some trouble about his apostrophe for some reason. Yeah, I'm just thinking, I mean, we only know like a, well, AZ Fells, shouldn't that have an apostrophe? That wasn't on the list because it was a Zarephale who was... Yeah. Doing it. But I bet you're right. That probably is another apostrophe. Oh, and you know what? Margarita's also has an apostrophe. There mm-hmm. is another one. Okay, so there there could be a few. I didn't notice on any of the signs, you know, maybe that were like up in windows and things like that, 
the improper use of apostrophes, but it's easy to imagine that somebody's writing up a sign or typing up a sign and puts the apostrophe in the wrong spot. Absolutely. It and a perfect little quibble to have in this mm-hmm. association, which it mm-hmm. seemed like was Arnold's point. Right. I don't want to deal with this pettiness. Right. Right. Which I think is something that's common in small little associations like that. Fair. Because peoples are peoples. I was surprised, though, that Aziraphale said he would give him the annual instead of just letting him look at it. That was yes. surprising to me. It certainly was. Now, of course, with the way everything went down, I wonder if Aziraphale will actually come through on his promise when all is said and done, or if he'll just wipe Mr. Arnold's, Arnold's memory of it all together. But... Mr. Arnold is carrying it out of the bookstore. Oh, my gosh. Amazing catch, Tori. <laughs> I stopped that. I was like, does he have it? Does he oh, have it? fantastic. It's really, it's kind of a little blurry, but I'm 95% sure that he's carrying it when they leave the bookstore. It has to be. It absolutely, that's, that is fantastic. <laughs> so yes, you already alluded to this great negotiation between Shax and Furfur, and she mm-hmm. ends up getting 70. <laughs> yeah. I did like, Furfur's like, I'll give you a malignant and creeping sense of unease, if you like, instead of like all these um, most vicious killing demons. <laughs> Nicely done. Nice Miranda Richards in there. I like how she plays with her tone of voice uh, in this episode. Yes. And we have a much more pleasant encounter at Goldstones than we did in the last episode, though much looked very the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, the magic store's got a lot of the same stuff from the previous yes. episode. Did you see all the uh, ventriloquist dummies in the background? I certainly did. And I think they even have the one, right, where the top of the head popped <sighs> off and we can, and we could see the brain in the zombie episode. Oh, I sure remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they do have the Charlie McCarthy dummy there. Wow. Which I, th- we've talked, oh, sorry, wrong, wrong show. We've talked. Wrong show. <laughs> wrong show. <laughs> that was the Buffy episode. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, and I, that is a real book as they have been doing, finding these obscure books. Yes. Expert at the card table. Yes. And did you catch the significance of Aziraphale saying that he inscribed it with his real name, that he had signed it with his real name? Yeah, that made sense after doing a little bit of research on that book that no one actually knows who wrote it. Yes. So that would be pretty significant. And no wonder. I think that shopkeeper's name is Mutt, Mr. Mutt. Oh, Anyways, um, lost my train of thought there. Oh, yeah, that explains why Mutt is so excited. Because he'll get to actually know who this guy really is. Yes, and I will just add that the reason the author chose to keep himself anonymous was probably because at the time, the book could be considered... I I can't remember what word was used, immoral or whatever... Because obscene. obscene, exactly. And so he could have gotten into trouble for having written this book about 
poker and cards and all of this kind of stuff. I don't know if it was about poker, but I thought gambling was involved for sure. Yes, it's the gambling bit that could be interpreted as obscene at that period of time. Which and I didn't, at least I didn't write down a year. Yeah. No, I I didn't either. I felt less. Uh, I didn't feel a time frame was so significant. But there are a lot of theories about who wrote this book. Yes, yes. And the magic shop guy is going to bring his spouse, which mm-hmm. my first time through I didn't totally figure out. But now I have a solid understanding of everything that was going on there. Yeah, but, at first in that scene. You know, I did notice that Azarafel uses a neutral pronoun. Yes. Then, of course, in the later scene, we see his spouse in a dress. And I thought, wow, are we bringing in a trans character? And did Crowley know, not Crowley, Azarafel know that Mutt's spouse was trans? But did you do research on this? No. No, the only thing I was going to say was they all seemed to change clothes as soon as they entered the shop. So they seemed to be wearing what Azarafel wanted them to wear, not necessarily what they wore to the ball. But what did you research? The actor is non-binary. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so that's they actually, cool. they must have changed the script a little bit to use the neutral pronouns, which I thought was fantastic. I loved that. I love that too. And though it is a small role, they knock it out of the park. Oh, yes. They They really use what part they have to great advantage. And we'll talk more about that when we get to the, when we get to the ball. Yeah. And the actor's name is Andrew O'Neill. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So we move on to the herbalist, who I believe ends up appearing with not only her husband, but maybe a daughter of theirs as well. This Mm is Mr. and Mrs. Chang. Mm -hmm. I don't have much more to say about her. Yeah, I have a little bit more to say later, but... Okay, yes. At this particular moment, they're just kind of introducing the various shopkeepers. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we're back back to Shaxx. (laughs) Right. Did you uh did you catch the demon? Did you recognize him? The one Demon Eric, the him? replaceable one from season one. Yes, yes. <laughs> Most definitely did. Yep. And I think even though she just incorporates him a little bit ahead, I think I see him in the storming of the bookshop. I'm pretty sure we do too, because at okay. first I was like, does that chap have horns? But I think it was him. Okay, good. Okay. So yes, 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 yes. Was there clapping when demon eric asked if they weren't going to go up against angels oh i didn't catch that okay i think there was clapping so i think there were demons that were happy they were not going to be going up against angels i don't blame them oh i think later he calls them right bastards or something like that Once again, this old-timey technology, that microphone seems like something right out of the 40s or something. hmm So, weird. Yeah. Weird. Hell and heaven just seems so behind the times. <laughs> Why does Aziraphale just insist upon continuing to speak French when she is speaking for perfect English to him? <laughs> I don't know. I totally 
respect when someone is trying to speak in someone's native language to help them feel more comfortable. But if they are clearly much more in mastery of your language, you go ahead and concede. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's very apparent she would prefer to talk to him in English. Clearly. So, I mean, the little bit of French, I know I couldn't really follow anything he was saying, but it it sounded like he was doing a bad job of it. (laughs) Yes. And it is funny that they both speak all languages, but we, (laughs) Zerafail makes the point that he has learned French the hard way, like really trying to learn it. (laughs) Yes. And it turns out that Monsieur, Monsieur Rossignol is a real person. Oh, I did not find that. What did you learn? Well, he he come the whole family, this Rosignol family were cryptographers. Oh, that worked for the French crown. And so the time period that Azarafel would be talking about, it would have probably been like Bonaventure Rosignol. Mm. And uh yeah, so I think that's who they're referring to as this family of cryptographers. Interesting. Huh. They developed what's called the Great Cipher of Louis XVI, and they did it to encode letters and different kinds of records. And That's interesting. We have the French connection with Aziraphale in France during the French Revolution, mm-hmm. but we really didn't get any coding or anything like that yeah yeah (laughs) of course very important for Aziraphale to get Nina and Maggie there because this is the whole point of this entire ruse so he talks to Nina saying I have no ulterior ulterior motives whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) I know that was funny a perfectly ordinary invitation without hidden agenda of any kind there you go exactly Way to get the and line. Nina wants to be there because she wants to talk about Christmas lights. Yes. I like that, that they didn't just let the Christmas light thing go. <laughs> yes. And not only does Nina have Christmas lights, but I think there were Christmas lights at Margarita's, the French place as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, a little light. I mean, it, and that's pretty common for restaurants anymore. It's adorable. Yeah. Either that or bistro lights of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Arnold. Maybe he's just a curmudgeon that doesn't like Christmas. Perhaps. Perhaps. Crowley is incredibly taken aback that Nina thinks him and Aziraphale are partners. Now, Shax put this to Aziraphale, and he wasn't nearly so startled. Right. Crowley was just like completely blown away that this could possibly be thought of and he was like on the side he's far too pure for that (laughs) yeah standing up for a zero fail but yeah i really disliked this scene yeah specifically because of crowley's reaction i mean it's it's like homophobic i mean he has this uh, the look on his face when he thinks that Nina thinks that he and Aziraphale are a couple. I was just like, seriously, you went this way in this Mm. scene. It just seems totally out of character for Crowley, who's so laid back and, um, you know, worldly. And, you know, why would he care if people thought that? You bring up a good point. I did not 
have that initial reaction, which I'm now a little surprised that I didn't. I just thought he was so surprised, but I take your point. And I, now that you put it that way, I don't care for it myself. Yeah. I mean, and then he turns around and walks in the opposite direction of Zarephel. Now that puts a, puts a fine point on it. So if yeah, he just I, had continued doing what he was doing and mm-hmm. was just a bit befuddled, mm-hmm. but you're right. He's almost like, well, and I'm going to make sure she doesn't think this anymore mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I mean, go, you gotta go back and look at Crowley's expressions. I was just like, what okay. the hell? Yeah. That yeah. I really had a negative reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a very, if this is an intentional choice, a very strange one to make. Yeah. Given that we have the primary set of potential lovebirds being a potential lesbian relationship. Right. We have a transgender marriage. Right. Or one of the spouses is transgender. So you having something homophobic from a character that does not seem like you know with no real purpose right is surprising well yeah and we've had a two seasons of them being super close and in fact it was just by chance i was editing our season one episode three podcast after Mm -hmm. i watched this and we had a discussion about whether the writers were, you know, trying to infer a homosexual relationship between, which I've also seen online, people discussing it. And, um, and you know, we were just like, well, we'll see how it goes from here on out. And then to do this, I was just like, come on. Yeah. Totally taken aback. Because then, you know, they turn around really quickly and he's back to defending Aziraphale. Absolutely. It, it was just... Oh, one of those things that really threw me out of everything, not just this episode, but I'm like, this is contrary to this entire freaking series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll need to watch. I'll need to watch it again. I'll need to watch it again. All right. I'm going to get off it now. Okay. But I really didn't like it. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you and I respect it. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Oh, Back to hell. Back to hell. Masks will be provided for those who can't <laughs> blend in, which we see yes. later. Uh, I did like that. Yeah, that was cute. Or, well, yeah. <laughs> the uh, demons who couldn't fit in were cute. And fit fits in with the, co- the post-COVID era that yes. masks, somebody walking around in a mask in London would not get a second glance. Yeah, I did like how some of them were wearing like medical masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That was cool. And of course, this is a scene where she discorporates Demon Eric. <laughs> yes, and they'll be taking the stairs instead of the big transporter. <laughs> yes. Oh, poor Demon Eric. He just, well, I mean, has to burn him up. Twice, <laughs> two or three times. Three times. <laughs> I'm surprised there was only one. Yes. I would have thought they would have had more Demon Erics, but they didn't. So, And then we get to the opening credits. <laughs> Again, I was like, wow, we're quite a ways into this episode. <laughs> yes, I was surprised they hadn't happened already. Now, 
I am going to be very quick about these because next episode we'll do our deep dive. Yes. So the only two things I am going to comment on is the marquee has been updated with mm-hmm. the title, The Ball, mm-hmm. and the, the posters around that have the ball on them include Jane Austen's name. And the screen that always changes with the episodes has three of the demons from the invasion on it. Yes. Yes. I did notice that. I did spend a little bit of time after the episode. Somebody's posted the opening credit sequence from the first episode in season two to YouTube. So I have done at least a first deeper dive through the opening credits. I did notice in this one that was different from the first one is the movie marquee. Yes. When they had the minisodes and so forth, it was kind of triangular and, um, jutted out from the building but if i'm remembering correctly it was kind of flat up against the building this time oh that i didn't notice um so was there anything else from the opening credits that you want to mention during your somewhat closer watch or do you want to save it for next episode uh, the other thing that really jumped out to me because of course i just watched episode five i saw the figure that was you know, dressed in Georgian clothes, which at first I was like, is that Jane Austen? And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Is that Mrs. Mutt, the magician's spouse? Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. But I don't know. And I was really looking hard for Mrs. Sandwich, but I didn't see her. So I want to go back through and look again. Yes, I'm in there. I'm going to enjoy a rewatch after finishing episode six and then having another careful glance so uh yeah i'll save most of my comments for for our next episode okay but yeah so then we're back in the in the neighborhood yes french restaurant and calls azarafel over still acting a little weird yes i don't like it i didn't like it yes crowley is worried about gabriel smiting him and (laughs) so he's gonna talk to gabriel yeah he doesn't want to be smitten (laughs) <laughs> i sure thought it would have been smote yeah i think you're right i don't think it's smitten smitten does smitten really have i mean of course smitten is i'm smitten with somebody you know right that's the but i should look up smite i, know, I, I should have <laughs> looked the up computer the right gra- now <laughs> grammar yes yes very of course biblical term uh blow small portion to strike where's the past tense burp, burp, burp. there we go to strike down or kill with godly force yes that's the that's the smiting we're talking about yeah i don't see it in at least the side i'm looking at doesn't have the past tense okay and i don't know if we want to spend more i don't feel it's worth it yeah oh i like this though it's got the etymology Oh, so yes. Goes, yeah, it goes from, of course. Oh, and it's the American Heritage Dictionary, <laughs> which I <laughs> think I've mentioned before. <laughs> well, I've got the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, in microscopic print over at my place, all 26 <laughs> volumes. So, Oh, yeah, that's uh, even more into it than I am. Uh, so from the Middle English, smitten. Okay. From Old English, smitten to daub smear smudge soil defile pollute 
from Proto-Germanic smitnan to throw, and from Proto-Indo-European smeid to smear, whisk, strike, or rub. Interesting. I'd like to see how words have kind of changed and developed over time. Very cool. Yes. So anyways, that's it. Okay. That's all I got. got. So shall we jump to Nina? Uh, Yeah, let's jump to Nina. So we have some more texts from her mysterious past partner. Yes. (laughs) The front door key is by the kettle. Please don't try to get in touch with me. If you need me, I will be with my sister. At least she cares about someone other than herself. So interesting. I had speculated (laughs) Uh that this partner perhaps could not leave the house and may not even be human. (laughs) Seems like that's perhaps incorrect. (laughs) But it's funny that one text ends, please don't try to get in touch with me. And the next text starts, if you need me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness. And I wondered why they suddenly changed up how they were displaying these texts. Yes. Another choice I wasn't really crazy about, and I thought it was also strange, you know, we see Nina erasing that board, then she reads the text, which we see show up on the chalkboard, and then she erases again. And I'm like, well, why would she be erasing again? Because she'd already erased the board. Mm Mm-hmm. So that continuity bugged me. Yes, it didn't seem necessary to switch from... I mean, already the other one was kind of weird, having envelopes show up on our screen and pieces yeah. of paper. And yeah. so why not just stick with that? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just stumbled on. I kept clicking on stuff. Smote is the past tense form of the verb smite, but smitten is a past participle form. Okay. <laughs> Because I know everybody was clamoring to know that. (laughs) Okay, well, then smote can be appropriate. (laughs) Yes, that's where I would have gone. I don't think I would have gone to smitten, only because I think of it as being smitten with someone. It's too connected to that, that I think even if it is the correct grammatical tense, it would be confusing to the listener. Yeah, particularly in the modern world, so... And that is my final word on the matter. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to Gabriel's room. Unless you have more to say about Nina's text. I do not. Okay. Oh, we get the iconic line, let there be light. Yes, which has been credited to Crawley. Yes. In the canon. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, and this was a confusing scene to me, right? Because we had the scene where Crawley looks disgusted about the thought of uh, people thinking about him and Aziraphale as a couple, and then he's still kind of weird in the restaurant. Yet now he's a ferocious tiger defending Aziraphale and really laying in to Jim, short for James, long for Gabriel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I feel confusing. like I really need to see that scene again because it just struck me as an idea do not want to gloss over anything that was homophobic. That's why I'm being careful about this Mm -hmm. because I, it had struck me as he was just totally baffled 
that anyone would think this, mm-hmm. but I did not look carefully at that expression. So I need to go back and see it. Mm-hmm. I picked up bafflement and then him protecting fail. like, no, 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 he would never be a side piece. He's just mm-hmm. an angel. I've known for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, don't sully my friend's name, Yeah, but I do not want to gloss. I do want to watch it again. To gloss it over because it is and i agree it is very contrary to the rest of what this show has done yeah and i mean maybe i don't know if other people interpreted that way or it's hard for me to think that i'm the only one who interpreted that expression that way you could not have possibly been the only one all right yeah i do believe it is an important it is important that's mm-hmm. what i want to say mm-hmm. it is important Mm-hmm. Words matter, expressions matter, and representation matters. So it is important. All right. So, yes, Crowley brings up Gabriel trying to destroy Aziraphale. And Crowley was there because Aziraphale was Crowley and Crowley right. was Aziraphale. And, ah, wow. I mean, this is very, ah, just so, what the heck is going on here? I mean, Crawley tells Jim to jump out the window and Jim is going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I assumed Crowley was going to stop him. Yeah. Because as we know, Crowley's actually a good guy, even though he keeps denying it. <laughs> yes. And we have this very interesting revelation from Jim. Mm -hmm. He feels like he's an empty house. The owner is gone. Mm -hmm. Jim says his memory is in a matchbook, but he took it out of the matchbook and put it in the box and brought it to the bookshop. Now it is everywhere. So definitely the fly could have fit in a matchbox. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did think, is the fly his memory? This is this seems to be where we're being pointed right now. Mm-hmm. Is and and the fact that now that it is everywhere, I mean that fly has been buzzing around. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think that mm-hmm. that's what we need to be thinking right now. And then he says, if it happens again, I can make it seem like it's an institutional problem that is gonna have to come back somehow either his memory was a mistake or somehow whatever happened at the pub was a problem i don't know but i'm really hoping when we watch episode six all of this with the fly and the memory and who's in gabriel or not in gabriel or where is gabriel is going to become clear and did gabriel mess something up here Well, this episode, by the end of it, I was wondering if Michael and Beelzebub were in cahoots and were trying to do something to Gabriel so that Michael could become the supreme archangel. Isn't that an interesting theory? I have thought that Michael and Beelzebub are just thick as thieves, and we do have Beelzebub feeling kind of unappreciated Mm -hmm. and... So maybe they both had designs on higher power. I like Mm -hmm. this theory. Yeah. I mean, taking down an archangel would be great for Beelzebub. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Very interesting. Let's just end our podcast right now so we can go watch episode six. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. (laughs) Then we'll be back and tell you everything we know. (laughs) Yeah. 
But Jim yeah, is always up for hot chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I was happy we get to see the heavenly mullet again. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we get the shot of the matchbox. I mean, mm-hmm. right after this. And mm-hmm. boy, that fly, that fly could fit right in there. Yep. And my goodness, I mean, so many people might not even know about the fly right now. Right, right. Because that's so easy to miss. So easy to miss. And we really haven't had it made obvious since. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Muriel verifying the miracle. (laughs) Oh, dear. And did you notice, I mean, Muriel says, because everybody knows you have to wait a few days. And Michael's like, of course I knew that. Yes. This this line of BS that they just eat up happily. (laughs) Yeah, because as we've talked about how removed the angels actually are from humans. Yes. Yeah, Muriel's cute. Yes. And this 25 Lazari miracle is really working. I mean, Michael and Uriel are having trouble even remembering Jim being there, let alone that he was Gabriel. So they really did a doozy on -hmm. this memory, which is evidenced later in this episode as well. Mm -hmm. Now we really understand why the klaxon went off. Yes. Used a little more power. (laughs) Yes. Anything else in heaven before we return to Aziraphale preparing for the ball? No, not at all. Aziraphale's just giddy. Oh my gosh. For the the ball. He can't wait. And he just seems like he would be perfect in a Jane Austen novel. So he's going to feel right at home this evening. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So Mrs. Sandwich is the first person that I notice, oh my gosh, she's wearing one thing before she enters the shop and something else after she's entered. I felt so stupid when I was rewatching this yesterday. I didn't even notice yeah. the first time that she wasn't wearing that when she walked out of uh, out of her house. Yes. And it happens to every character we see before and after entering. There are characters we don't see before mm-hmm. they enter, mm-hmm. but my guess is he did it to everybody. Well, he doesn't do it to everybody. Who doesn't he do it to? He doesn't do it to Mr. Brown. I'm pretty sure that Mr. Mutt is still wearing his like little magician's outfit. Most of oh. them, and uh, Mr. Arnold's wearing his outfit that he had on earlier with all the musical stuff on it. It's primarily the women or people identifying Uh, as female. Oh my gosh. Now, isn't that an interesting distinction? I bet you are right. I couldn't figure out why. Why the men wouldn't have had their clothes changed as well into something more fitting. I mean, and some of the women are even in, they're in fancy dress but well, not British fancy dress, American fancy dress. Um, but the men aren't right. Like, so why wouldn't the men have been put in tuxedos and things like that? Maybe because he was so focused on Nina and Maggie that he just did sort of a female energy type thing. Though weirdly enough, Nina does change outfits, but she's not in fancy dress. No, she's not. I didn't understand that either. Yeah. I was, I was like, well, there's a few choices in the scene that I do not understand. Little, little shoddy. Okay, well, back yeah. to well, back to Mrs. Sandwich. Love she, her, love uh, her. Fantastic. And we start to have some illusions here that she's a madam, and then it gets completely 
mm-hmm. verified a little bit later in the mm-hmm. episode. Did you think Mrs. Chang looked really sus when she was walking in? She's yes. Like, she, she's looking like she's got something up her sleeve, like she's going to be maybe a spy for hell or something. I didn't know. But she, she looked up pretty to innocuous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, but okay. I agree. Her entry did look suspicious. And she enters all by herself. Not with her husband and child, but yeah. leaves with her husband and child. Yeah. Which I guess, you know, is kind of explainable, but it was just was odd. Mm-hmm. Especially when it didn't pan out to anything. Yeah. Yeah. So Well, and we don't know what ended up on the cutting room floor, right? True. Might true. have been something more that they decided to delete. Yeah, that's true. But I did like when Crowley and Nina were talking in front of the coffee shop. Yes. And Crowley... It's like something's coming in waves, which was a great callback to when Shaq's like, I will send the demons in waves. Mm-hmm. And Crowley's like, wow, I'm feeling the waves. <laughs> so I like that. I thought that was great. And once again, when something hellish is going on, Crowley mm-hmm. knows something about it. When mm-hmm. something heavenly is going on, Aziraphale seems to know about it. Mm-hmm. They're still clued in, even though they're basically outcasts at this point. Yes. Or traitors, as Hell likes to call Crowley. The traitors. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. So I did. Uh, what is this? Oh, yeah. I wondered why Nina didn't get put into some. And Maggie, why they didn't get put into some kind of Georgian dress. Because even Mrs. Sandwich, right, with that plume on her head. Oh, yeah. is very Full. Georgian. Yes. And harkens to all the ball scenes we see in Jane Austen movies. <laughs> yes. Let's yes. see. What I, do you have as your next note? La 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 la. Oh, I I have a note about uh, Mr. Mutt's spouse. Then I like the Georgian dress. Yes. Very awesome. Very Austin. I was kind of did Austin and awesome there together because I was looking ahead to my next note, which is about Jim in his totally awesome fabulous Liberace suit. hundred percent that gets even more fabulous oh, coming up. Oh my up. gosh. I loved that when he came walking outside. I was like, yes! That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but we will we will get to that. Mm-hmm. I learned that the French woman's name was Justine. I think I called her Margarita before because I think that's her restaurant's name. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think the French woman's name is actually Justine. Okay. And did you notice that in the ball she did speak with a french accent did she <laughs> yes <laughs> okay i did not so, notice that in aziraphale's fantasy world the french woman even though she's been here a long time is speaking with a french accent <laughs> i didn't notice that good catch there were really quite a few randos here as well i felt yeah <laughs> i don't think yeah. everybody was here for the association meeting well, some were probably guests of shop owners that we didn't meet because he had a pretty long list. He did, but I have the whole list here. <laughs> there, <laughs> And almost everyone is accounted for, except for I have one line that just said Italian, and I don't know what the Italian meant, but it was Arnold's, the back room, which is part of the name of the record shop, okay. Goldstone's herbalist italian lucky snake which i assume assumed was <laughs> mrs sandwich 
Margaritas, which was the name of the French restaurant. Right. And I think the very last one on the list said coffee, but it was hard for me to read that very last one. Well, I wonder why they didn't have anybody from the donkey. Good question. Because it's and like right across the street, right? It sure is. And it's the place where the elevator goes up and down. It's an incredibly important location, but yeah. they did not seem to make any... And maybe one of these randos is the donkey, but yeah. and maybe there were more on the list than I could see, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it seemed like all the main players were covered. Now, of course, not the rug shop, but the rug shop was the guy who was running the meeting. So I can see oh, why yeah. that wouldn't be on, wouldn't be on a zero fails list. Yeah, that was Mr. Brown, I believe. Yes, I think you're right. And I just must say, that Goldstone's spouse wore the dress better than anybody else. I think I think they were dressed better than anybody else in the whole ball. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Yes, I enjoyed the ball scene. I was yelling at my TV going, run, Maggie, run. Oh, but she's just kind of ambling from her shop to the bookshop and the demons are coming behind her like run maggie run with with dry ice like around her ankles and <laughs> she's not noticing this legion behind her or we have we should correct that we know it's not a full legion but a whole bunch of freaking demons yeah, what, did, what did demon eric say it was one seventy fifth of a legion <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think like he that. said somewhere around six thousand would be a legion yes. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> so did absolutely love. Yeah. Was it Mrs. Chang who was talking to Sandwich yes. and she just could not get out of the Austin speak and had to <laughs> had to use euphemisms to. Yes. I'm a godforsaken seamstress. <laughs> <laughs> and her expressions were priceless. It was and fabulous. I loved how she described the profession. I didn't really, I thought it was, again, low-hanging fruit to have Mrs. Cheng um, stroking whatever phallic object she had in her hand. A fan. Yeah. yeah. A fan. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. As we've already seen in this particular season, they have often gone for the low-hanging fruit. They do. But did. yeah, Mrs. Sandwich is awesome. Fantastic. She just, and I had said when we first saw her, I was like, I hope we see more of Sandwich. Mm -hmm. And we got it. We yes, got we it did. in spades. It, mm -hmm. I don't need to see her again. She did. If she, if I see her again, great. But they delivered with Sandwich. Yes. Yes, they did. They that delivered. is. Did you just say they delivered the sandwich? I did. <laughs> <laughs> they hear that <laughs> there may be other loose ends that do not get tied off but yeah. the sandwich mm -hmm. was tied off <laughs> nice um yeah so we get to see you know maggie and nina dance it's like the dance at the netherfield ball perfect they're doing kind of this a similar dance it might not be exactly the same but i have to admit I was listening to the music and I'm like, I don't think that's the same music from the Netherfield Ball mm. from the 1995 version, which is the only version I care to watch because of Colin Firth. 
Do you want to tell the listeners a bit more about what you're talking about? Oh, yes. Um, I'm talking about Pride and Prejudice. It was a short series put out, I believe, by the BBC uh, back in 1995, starring Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy and Jennifer L. as uh, Lizzie. Excellent. And if you're not familiar with Pride and Prejudice, there's a, a big pivotal kind of dance at a place called Netherfield, and people just refer to it as the Netherfield Ball. And this is where Lizzie and Mr. Darcy dance for the first time. Excellent. And clearly what Aziraphale is going for, right? right. So I, th- I think that's wonderful that you right. really flesh that out for those who may not know Austin quite as well as you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I actually went back to the 1995 series and looked at that scene. It's not the same music. <laughs> okay. But did you say it might be somewhat of the same dance? The very similar dance, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. It I mean, I don't think the moves are exactly the same, but it's very, very similar. Okay. And I loved how happy Aziraphale looked as he watched uh, Maggie and Nina dance. Completely enchanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also liked how the two of them were discussing the weirdness that was abounding. <laughs> Yet they could not stop themselves from dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and how, well, I'm jumping ahead, so I won't jump ahead just yet. I was going to say something, but let's stick to where we are right now. Crowley is super worried about the demons outside. Understandably, they are coming en masse toward the workshop. It might not be a legion, but there's enough for a couple of waves. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and I loved the interaction between Mrs. Sandwich, um, Mrs. Mutt, and Gabriel. <laughs> oh my gosh. They are so enchanted by Jim. <laughs> and... It just, I loved it. I mean, I really did like this whole, I liked this episode quite mm-hmm. a bit. And this ball stuff mm-hmm. was just fantastic. So, yes. And Jim, I mean, John Hamm is knocking it out of the park as Jim. <laughs> yes, yes. And I did write down, I, I was referring to them as Mrs. Magician, just because I didn't know the name of the magician character or the owner mm-hmm. of the magic shop. And I love when they say, so amiable, so genteel, and if you'll allow me, sir, so well-made in form and feature. <laughs> <laughs> loved it, loved it. Very Austin-esque. Although I don't think uh, Austin would have any of his uh, or her female characters say that to a gentleman. It's a ball. (laughs) But it was perfect. It was perfect. It was perfect. Yes, yes. And how excited Mrs. Sandwich was. Like, Jim's like, do you want want me to demonstrate what I learned this body could do in bed last night? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you know. Yes. (laughs) as, As innocent as what it was turned out to be, it yet also was a little sexual (laughs) a little bit a little bit (laughs) and then we're back to Aziraphale and Crowley and Aziraphale's just like he's 
so happy. And then he drags Crowley out on the dance floor, which I loved. Yep. Loved it. Yep. And then we're back to the demons. And, and Jack she, arrives via the elevator, so she didn't have to take the stairs. She didn't. Comes right out of the dirty Donkey Express elevator, <laughs> which apparently it is very interesting to me. I really made note of this. This is the same building that later Crowley and Muriel go into. So this spot, this elevator goes both to the up and to the down. Oh. Oh, I didn't really that, catch it was the same elevator. That dirty donkey. Well, they were both at the dirty donkey. And mm. if it was one corner of it versus another, but I don't think so. I think ah. it was the same spot. Eh, it kind of makes sense that it's the same elevator, but just going up versus going down. Yeah. And Muriel does have to say go up or what, you know, the command is there. Right. To the direction. It doesn't just say go. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Maggie, Maggie says she's not afraid of hard work if Nina is a lot of work. Yeah, I like that. But I didn't like that Maggie, when Nina told her that, you know, Lindsay broke up with her and, and Maggie asked if it was her fault. I was like, no, Maggie, no, you just stood up for yourself in a previous episode. Don't backtrack here. Don't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we are we have gone back in time here at the ball. So mm-hmm. maybe that was a mm-hmm. thought. Yeah. And I, I felt very sad for Nina when she said, I don't think Lindsay liked me very much. Oh, that was heartbreaking. It's going to be interesting. I don't know what a satisfactory resolution is going to be to the whole Lindsay Nina thing. Yeah. But we'll see what ne- next episode brings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, we all want Nina and Maggie to get together. Definitely surrender the angle i want a shirt that says surrender the angle (laughs) okay i absolutely loved i don't know if this is low-hanging fruit or not but i loved the spelling mistakes i loved that spelling was not the demon strong (laughs) i laughed at both instances and i just thought it was fantastic yeah I am going to have to look on some of those like red bubble or something and see if anybody's put together a t-shirt because I (laughs) might end up buying it if they do. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And I love, you know, (laughs) when Jim walks out in that fabulous, fabulous feather coat, I was like, Liberace lives. My exact note is Jim knows it is about him. He's going out voluntarily and he is fabulous. Yes. <laughs> fabulous is the word. And it is who, whatever this vessel that remains is just full of pure intent. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to hurt Aziraphale. He doesn't mm-hmm. want anybody to be in trouble. He is willing to sacrifice himself. I don't know if he knows the full extent of the danger, but he's like, no, no one should be hurt. I'm confused, but I know this is about me. Mm -hmm. I'm going out. Yep. Yep. And that damn spell. (laughs) But their spell was the the 15 or was it 15 or 25? 25 Lazarus. 25 Lazarus spell is just too good. <laughs> they got the power. <laughs> and then 
And then Shaq spelling toast. <laughs> you think it's over when she ends with a T. Yeah. And then there's an E. <laughs> yes. Miranda Richard said, you've done it again. Yes. T-O-S-T. yeah that was fabulous i was laughing pretty hard yeah yeah i thought throughout this the business owners were pretty calm incredibly calm Uh, but they're still under a zero fails enchantment they are not fully themselves that's true that's true and what up mr brown what the heck oh my gosh you know, we really actually didn't see him get hurt. He just was jettisoned for yeah, a I long mean, time. Yeah, but we all kind of assume that he's T-O-S-E-E. <laughs> we do. Yes. But Crawley thinks well on his feet. He makes up a rule. And I love when David Tennant speaks so quickly. He's like, mm-hmm. I just made up a rule. I This one isn't an exact quote, but I just yeah. made up a rule. Yeah. They're too stupid to check. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get these people out of here. I'm going to come back. I'm not going to leave you with this alone. Yeah, that's the real talent he has. You know, I, I remember him speaking really fast in Casanova, of course, in Doctor Who, and then in this. I'm like, man, that dude can really get that going. And, and it works yeah. really well. It does work well. Yeah. And I and laughs. he pulls it off. He's getting he those people out of there. He does two by two. Very n- nice Noah's Ark reference there. Perfect. And of course, he's with Sandwich. I liked that little <laughs> interaction. I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> I also loved when he's like, "Nina, are you coming?" And he's like, "Okay, yeah. no, stay behind to die bravely." <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> yeah, things were happening fast yeah. there. Yes. Now, I don't know if there's anything significant about this, but when Shaq said she brought Crowley's mail, did you see how she sort of cocked her wrist and the mail flew to her hand? Mm, I didn't notice that. Yes, it is not in her hand. It's like, I brought your mail, and it just then suddenly flips into there. Mm. And... Crawley's like, why? You know what? And, and she's like, it stacks up by the front door. I don't know. This is not the first time we've had this mail appear. And he's like, uh, I don't know. This isn't a good time. But I don't know. It just was an interesting thing to appear in that moment. When did the mail appear before? When she comes to his car. This could have been as early as episode one, where oh. she says, I brought your mail. Oh, so, I don't remember that. Wow. Mm-hmm. No, I wonder this if it'll is definitely, come up in the, in the final episode. It, it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. We hadn't seen it in a while, but she has definitely brought mail to him before from that is being delivered to his old place. Oh, interesting. I just thought it was really random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Disconnected. Hmm. Aziraphale says that saving him makes Crawley so happy. Mm-hmm. That was so cute. <laughs> was cute <laughs> and he's as Zerfell has also revealed his little portal thing that took him up to heaven at the end of the last season yes i wonder if he's gonna try to use that as an escape or or what i don't know it'll be interesting i i want to see the vital episode we're so close we're, we're so, so close. close i was surprised that uh crowley 
surrendered himself to Muriel, who suddenly showed up taking notes. Yeah. And seems totally okay with demons being all over the place in London. I mean, this is totally a normal Thursday night. (laughs) And Crowley is headed up to heaven with her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering what the crime against heaven is he's going to try to lay on them. Yes. Yes. But I'm excited we'll get to see the heavenly mullet again. (laughs) Fantastic. And once again, the Dirty Donkey Elevator Express is Mm -hmm. utilized here to escort Crowley and Muriel up. Yeah. And we end with Shax watching the elevator ascend. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, we gotta we gotta leave, folks, because we gotta watch the last episode. <laughs> yeah, we're both really, really, really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so all we gotta do is uh, say bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Wallowing in the Shallows is created and produced by the both of us, edited by Mo. The soundtrack for the Wallowing in the Shallows. Good Omen Season 2 chat is Dmitry Shostakovich, Jazz Suite Number 2, Waltz Number 2, from the Internet Archive at archive.org. You can send us feedback at witstvpod at gmail.com. That's W-I-T-S-T-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. Subscribe. And then subscribe. And then subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Like and subscribe.